Hello and welcome to the Stringer Podcast number 48. My goodness, life is good, isn't it? Dylan, you have a giant smile on your face. What's making you so happy, bud? Oh, of course, it has to be preseason hockey. Who doesn't love preseason <laughs> hockey? Uh, the Leafs have had a bit of a rocky start, so I don't love it, but it does signal the fact that hockey is right around the corner. And you know what else is right around the corner? Camila Gonzalez. How do you like that as a segue? You know, if I could go back in time and model my life after any one person, it might just be this week's guest. She's traveled the world as a journalist. She's then traveled it again as a pageant winner. She's quick with a joke, takes the edge off things with a smirk, and will outsmart you around every turn. You know her as at CamXGonzalez on Twitter. You know her as at Camila underscore Gonzalez on Instagram. She's a Colombian-born, football-juggling, TV-talking, trilingual, journalistic beauty queen. In fact, the second Miss Universe Canada competitor we've had on the podcast, and the only person I know to have ever asked the Prime Minister to prove his feminism during an interview with the camera rolling. She's Camila Gonzalez, and she's coming up right after I tell you about the Resting on Pretty podcast. That's right. You know, I've said the last few weeks that we've had these podcast ideas in development, and then I felt terribly guilty because I couldn't share them with you. Well, now I can. At least one of them. The Resting on Pretty podcast features a pair of failed models who decided this was precisely the right time to rewatch every episode of America's Next Top Model, starting with Season 1, Episode 1, and bring you along for their journey of self-examination, analysis, reflection, laughs, and lots and lots of wine. Lots and lots and lots of wine as they delve into every episode of America's favorite binge-worthy top model competitionary thing. Show. Aaron and Cassie are your hosts, and I've enjoyed every second of developing this idea with them, and I'm positive you're going to like the show, because I'm a good judge of everything, right? That's why a couple of you listen to me. All right, that's out. It's official. The Resting on Pretty podcast will debut on September 30th. I hope you check it out. And now that I've done my good deed for the day, let's turn our attention to the weekend. Friday, September 27th, get this, Octoberfest. Dylan's laughing at the aquarium. Splash into Oktoberfest with live music, local craft beer, and your favorite slimy, squishy friends. It starts at 8 p.m. at Ripley's Aquarium, 288 Bremner. Tickets are just $32. And you can go to ripleysaquarium.com to buy them. I want to go. I, I'm worried that I will inadvertently feed some alcohol to some sea creatures because that's what one does when they've been drinking at aquarium. You, you don't want to be that naked guy who jumps in the shark tank again, right? That's... That's not again, upon. not again. The first time was enough. Saturday, September 28th, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Start in Dayton, Ohio and magically transport to the castle of Dr. Frankenfurter to sing all your favorites with your favorite transvestite alien, like science fiction double feature, Rose Tint My World, and of course, Time Warp. It kicks off at 8 p.m., Lower Ossington Theater, 100 Ossington Avenue, and our friends at Seat Giant can hook you up with tickets and you can get a discount by using promo code stringer so go to seatgiant.ca promo code stringer and you'll save money off your ticks sunday september 29th the alternative show hosted by andy kindler this is something dylan first introduced me to our favorite time of year is coming to an end and so the two of us will be closing out just for laughs the way we do every single year with midnight hilarity 11 59 p.m on sunday is when this happens second city toronto 51 mercer street jfl is weird so the cost is a token 
And I know we don't just walk around with tokens in our pocket, so they can be purchased online at jfl42.com. I went through that pretty quickly and pretty seamlessly. Remember, our, our ideas aren't for everyone. So you can do one of two things. You can either reach out to us with what you have going on in the weekend, and we'll be happy to promote it at Stringer Podcast on Twitter or events at thestringer.ca, or you can go to seatgiant.ca and plan your own weekend. Concerts, sport events, theater, live shows, comedy, like just for laughs. They have tickets for it all, and you can use promo code STRINGER and save a couple dollars off your tickets, at least for the time being, because they haven't turned off our promo code yet, so make use of it. So I mentioned last week that I've kind of fallen in love with the song of the week idea. Maybe it's because I once had a dream of being a radio DJ, or perhaps it's because I'm forever trying to figure out precisely the perfect soundtrack for my life. Or better yet, maybe it's just because I like having extra time to tell a story. Dylan's familiar with that. He has to listen to me all the time. This week, the week starting September 23rd, is actually a big one in music history. More specifically, in grunge and alternative rock's history. At this time in 1990, Dave Grohl, as many of you know, is my favorite musician of all time, joins a small three-piece band from Seattle. They're called Nirvana. And one year later, the world was shook by not just one, not two, but three massive alternative rock, grunge rock, call it what you will, albums. Soundgarden, that's this week. Soundgarden released Bad Motorfinger, their second album, which went on to go to double platinum. Red Hot Chili Peppers released Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which has sold more than 13 million copies, at least three of those having been paid out of my own pocket. And then this band. On September 24th, Nirvana released Nevermind with new drummer Dave Grohl and absolutely rocked the world, selling over 30 million copies around the globe. It was trumpeted by the single Smells Like Teen Spirit, which is most memorable to me from the music video, just a band playing in a gymnasium to students, cheerleaders, and a janitor. It was directed by Sam Bayer, who was hired because his shitty demo reel felt punk and not corporate. So take this, corporate. Nirvana smells like teen spirit, then the sax, then Camila Gonzalez. or no headphones it's your choice what do you Ooh, prefer no headphones no headphones yeah. that's fine with me i used to do radio and stuff and headphones were you're tired kinda, yeah you're tired of using them sorry i'm late by the fancy way. oh don't like, worry at all it took me an hour to get here i was literally left with like 30 minutes i was like that'll be where enough. you have to come from yorkdale like north york that is quite the hike uh at this, at any hour, I think when you have to, you're not just crossing northwest, like east-west. You're just crossing across. northwest, is north-south. I don't know my directions. Great. Yes, top left, 
to bottom, bottom right. right. <laughs> That's I will get it eventually. One day. Are you a walking person? I am. Yeah. I am. Some people would disagree, but I like to say I'm a walker. You're a walker. I'm from the suburbs, so it's like hard for me right. to picture walking longer than like three kilometers. Right. But I feel like that's a pretty fair walk. It's interesting that you measure it in kilometers, but I would measure it in minutes. Like, I'd be like, mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine walking anywhere that's going to take me more than 20 minutes. But how many kilometers is that well, is the real question. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm just thinking of how much I'd be willing to walk at the gym and then I yeah. compare that. <laughs> like, I'd be you willing to dial. three kilometer yeah. walk on the treadmill. <laughs> and then how many minutes does that usually take you? Thirty-five. No, that'd Less? be embarrassing. Like twenty, no? Like a nice little speed. No, walk. it would not be no, embarrassing. <laughs> like, listen, if I could do it sub forty, I'm like cruising. You know what? Five kilometers is like forty minutes. Five kilometers is forty minutes. That's the good ratio. I think so. And is there sweat involved at the end or no? Like, it, are you just stretching your legs in a nice way? Or are you getting your heart going? I don't do cardio, so I'm definitely dying. You don't do cardio? Not at all. It's just against your religion? Which is horrible. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, it's I'm sorry. I'm not allowed not that. Not for me. I like no cardio. No and meat. <laughs> no sweets after 9 p.m. True. Just not allowed. I turn into you a You know, my, my religion lets me no. have all the sweets <laughs> I want. No, I, I don't know. I was a figure skater, so I'm supposed to have yeah. really great cardio, but it's been a while. And it's been a while that I've driven. It's been a while that my job involves sitting and standing. Definitely break a little bit of a sweat. I got to get this out of the way. Camila Gonzalez on the podcast. Thanks for driving all the way. Like we've now established how far you went. Thanks for coming down on a Monday evening when everyone wants to just sit at home in their comfy, comfy sweatpants and watch season four of whatever show you're watching. Season three of season three. So good. Yeah, of course. I mean, anything that involves me talking, I'm like, yes, I will be there. I love it. Right. And do I have to prepare? The less I have to prepare, you're like, you just want me to be me? And you're like, yeah, yeah, just be you. Absolutely. Just do you. You don't have to read anything. You don't have to do anything. Just show up and chat. Love that. We first crossed paths. I thought when I messaged you, I thought we had crossed paths on an Oso shoot, but I think you were with, did you done, had you done a piece with Sebastian Javinko? Yes. Yeah. So I was yes. going back through the stuff that I had done and I was like, no, no, no. I think it was a Seba piece who was quite the character. And that was actually my first interview for the halftime show. So we were looking for someone related to City A because obviously right. it's so difficult to find people related to City A in Toronto, on the other side yes, of the world. Very hard. So that was my first time ever and I was super excited. Get out. I will be honest though, it was so difficult because he replied to everything in Italian and I would ask in English. Right. I speak Spanish, half of it, I would reply to his answers and my editor afterwards was like, you're not following up the right question. That's not what he answered. <laughs> In hindsight, that makes me so mad because I was so nervous. Were you really? Well, I was trying Uh to practice words in Italian. I was like, ciao, come stai? (laughs) Grazie per essere con noi. Like practicing to know that he could have just communicated. I love how my eyes completely glaze over when you you just switch to a different language. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to ciao, got it, everything (laughs) else. Grazie, got it. I'm going to perfectly believe you that you said it perfect. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll probably get some backlash after this, but yeah. I tried. You speak, uh, obviously, fluent English and Spanish. Yes. Is there anything else you speak? I like to pretend I can speak French. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I pretend I can speak French, too. Exactly. We should have a pretend <laughs> French podcast one day. Let's do should it. Should we? Oh, my God. What, wait, wait, what wait. we podcast about? 
If we had a pretend French podcast, what do you wine. think we should podcast? French wine. French wine? Yeah. Are you Boom. more of a red or a white kind of Definitely red. Person? Definitely red. Oh, Malbec. That's I like a, I like a good Bordeaux. Ooh. So we could definitely fake French yes. wine podcast. Cheese, mm. bread. There's nothing wrong. There's like the staples in life. Exactly. Aren't they? We, 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 me, we, me, we, magnifique. C'est un très bon podcast. I don't know. Did they say podcast like that? You just put a bit of a French spin on it. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, it must be right. Like, oh, c'est un bon podcast. They're, I'm gonna get slaughtered for that. Yeah, no, I lost. I'm like, I'm not working. even gonna. No, not I'm not even gonna try. pretend. You're just gonna let me sit out. Uh, on my own. Do you grow up in Toronto? This is a fun podcast yeah. because this is like literally, this isn't me interviewing an old friend. This is literally getting to know Camila. So the listeners can get to know you through my voice. Exactly. So they can know everything about me. Uh, or all just the things you want them to know. <laughs> so it's actually, I was born in Colombia. Mm-hmm. I was born in Cali. Families from Medellin. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've, do you know any basic Colombian yeah, jargon? Yeah, uh, Oso's mom is from there as well. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone always says Narcos. I'm glad yeah. you went straight to Ozo. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so I was I was born in Cali, came to Canada when I was three, mm. actually grew up in Brampton. Oh, get out. Yeah, so I was in Brampton until I was 18, and then I mm-hmm. went to Ryerson and kind of moved closer to the city. Oh, you were a Ram. Yeah, I oh, was. No way. I figure skated with the Rams. Did you go, are you, were you an RTA or you were journalism? Journalism. Oh. Are you RTA? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm, a lot of my friends went to RTA. Oh, I was about to cancel this. I was about no. to like, I have to get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> Thanks, folks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, so. So you took on sure. figure skating, uh, obviously, after you had moved here. Um, yeah, not a big sport in Colombia. And, and also, I don't know a lot of three-year-old figure skaters. Five-year-old, though. Five-year-old is when you kind of... You yeah. break through and you stuck, stuck with it all the way to post-secondary into Ryerson. Yeah, I stuck with it for quite a while. Then, mm-hmm. as the typical story goes, injured myself, uh, tore my labrum, had to go through that whole Holy smokes. Yes. Were you bedridden then? Like, were you late? Were, were you not able to walk for a period of time? Yeah. With I, rehab? So, last three months of high school, did them from my room because I had a reaction to the anesthesia. It was this crazy, crazy thing. Went to prom practically on crutches. Mm-hmm. And the doctor told me I couldn't get back on the ice, but I'm a little bit stubborn. Mm. So I went back to the ice. And as soon as I found out there was a figure skating team at Ryerson, got on the team and then hurt my hip again. And I was like, okay, unless I want to have a hip replacement by the time I'm 30, got to stop. It's weird pouring your passion, I would imagine, into something for so long. I've worked in sports for about 10 years. And so... You, you wind up, and you know this, in the sports community, you have athletes who have applied themselves their whole life, but a lot of peripheral people, whether they are in management or their coaches or the medical staff, all had a promising career to a certain point mm-hmm. and then went through a major injury. And I imagine when you apply yourself for over, in your case, 15 years at one sport, at one dedication... It really takes the wind out of your sails and knocks you kind of flat when, when when you come to that realization that it might not be something you can do anymore. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely tough. I think I knew when I was about 15 or 16 that it wasn't going to be my career forever because that's mm-hmm. when I started struggling with my hip. I didn't know what was wrong, but I knew I couldn't jump the same way. I couldn't spin the same way. So I think for me, it wasn't so much as like a basketball player who tears his ACL Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden his career is over. It was definitely something gradual. Mm -hmm. Also, my career as a figure skater would have been very, very small unless you make the Olympics. It's so, there's no scholarships, there's no support, there's no... You don't have a 30-team league where you can join like... 
you know, the Toronto f- figure skating team and then compete against Detroit for the best exactly. figure skating championship and lift a figure skating Stanley Cup. Exactly. No, my second plan was to go for Columbia. I was like, mm-hmm. there's no Colombian figure right. skaters. So <laughs> if I am the first Colombian to compete at the Olympics and get last, that's still a pretty cool story. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see Cool Runnings, the movie? No, it's about the Jamaican bobsled team. Yes. That competed actually in the 86 uh, Calgary Olympics. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Like one of the best. My idols. Yeah, that's 100%. the most genius but, thing you could do. And you're like, this is exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to compete for Colombia in figure skating. But you know what's crazy? Here in Canada, I've met three girls that competed in figure skating that were Colombian. No. Full Colombian. And they had my same plan. <laughs> I was like, excuse me. <laughs> there can be one. <laughs> and none of us made it. There can be only one. Is there a large Colombian community in and around the Toronto area? Huge. Wow. Huge. There's so many people. It's amazing. That is incredible. And probably great for your parents coming. If they came with a three-year-old daughter, yeah. you kind of want to find folks that you can relate to and, and yeah. food you can eat and like are used to and, and that sense of community. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing is there's not just Colombian, there's Venezuelan, there's mm-hmm. Brazilian, there's Mexican, there's everything. So you have your language, you have your people, but you get to explore so much more mm-hmm. just living here. And, and when you go to the Latin community, you don't just say, I'm Colombian and I'm going to stick with my people. Mm-hmm. You kind of branch out. So some of my best friends are from Venezuela. They're from Peru. We share recipes and food and But stories. that doesn't mean you're going to cheer for Argentina in the World Cup. Never. No. Right? This is <laughs> Absolutely something. Absolutely not. Right. You might be able to trade recipes, but your, like, your friendship of being from, from Latin America only goes so far. Exactly. <laughs> Especially when it comes to soccer. Like for soccer, I can cheer for Colombia. Mm-hmm. I cheer for France because one of my best friends is French. Mm-hmm. I cheer for Canada because yeah, yeah, well, I... Because it's easy? Yeah, because yeah. I... <laughs> you, you can cheer for Canada no in like the CONCACAF qualifiers. The League Nations. Le- yeah, Nations, Nations League. Nations League. Yeah, CONCACAF Nations League. Canadian soccer. You're so basically bad. right. Yeah. Yeah, we can call it League Nations. We can call it <laughs> Nations League. The League Nations champions. How long has it been? It's uh, 1986? Question. No. Yeah. 1986. So I think that predates you. Yes, that predates you. It does. Yeah. It It predates Dylan, who's over in the corner on the sliders. I'm going to go old man Clay here. Yeah, it doesn't. tell anyone. (laughs) It doesn't. No, I was a solid two years old. Exactly. No, that's the last time Canada made it in. Colombia, though, very easy to cheer for during the World Cup. Very difficult until 2014. Very stressful. Very stressful. Until 2014. Um... But yeah, I mean, I grew up with that passion my entire life. Mm-hmm. I am, I go crazy. Even if it's a friendly, even if it's a game where like the third team is playing, I've got my jersey on, I'm freaking out. We've got an entire group of friends that comes out to watch it. And that's why I love City, yeah, because we have so many Colombians mm-hmm. that I get to cheer for and meet and interview. I met the goalkeeper three weeks ago, no Navido Spina. I have never fangirled in my life. I've oh, met the me? prime minister. <laughs> I have never fangirled. I was visibly shaking. He was like, are you okay, hon? I was like, mm, yeah, yeah. you're our Lord and Savior, right. but yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. It's all good. <laughs> like my grandma before a game stands at the TV screen and blesses him three times so he can save goals. Yeah. It's a crazy she, obsession. She's a saint. She if is. She does, she's a saint. She is. And every time she does it, we win. So She's got to keep going. Definitely. Grandma. What do you call grandma? Abuelita. Yep. Say it with abuelita. Abuelita. You nailed it. No, yeah, thank you. That's really <laughs> sweet. So let's try and let's try and follow a path here. 
You were a figure skater turned journalist. Yes. What in the two passions that you had cross over? Like, how does that make... Attention. <laughs> no, oh. that's horrible. That's horrible. Um, no, it's not. Not at all. <laughs> I actually, part of the whole Spanish community getting together stuff, everyone always knew that I was a talker. Yeah. I was super curious. I wasn't afraid of getting in front of a crowd because of the skating. So when I was about 14, my mom's friend reached out and she was like, listen, we have this radio station. We need someone. At 14? At 14. Yeah. And I was actually one of the oldest ones. So they said, we need someone to be the host of a kid's show that we have. Mm -hmm. We still want it to be a kid, but it can't right. be a three-year-old right, running it. Yep. Does Camila want to do it? And I was like, yes, yes. she does. Absolutely. Yeah. So I started in that. We would talk about world news, but I would bring it so that a three-year-old could read it and share 100%. it with kids. Talk about music. We would talk about art. Some of them would bring jokes. It was this cute little show that I did for four years. And that's when I realized, yeah, I want to go into journalism and do this for adults yeah then not just for three-year-olds exactly yeah like their attention spans are very very short exactly yeah. <laughs> and then you can only talk about so much right like when right. you're 18 you're like oh i want to talk about like this big tragedy and find right. out what's happening but you tell the three-year-olds you no, can't yeah, say that no then i started i got asked to do a news station in mm -hmm. spanish as the same time that i was studying journalism and mm -hmm. i got in i got the chance to work with a news desk in mm -hmm. spanish and so i would wake up 4 30 a.m every morning monday to friday to do the 5 a.m news then I'd be done at 12, go to class, mm -hmm. and then afterwards either go to skating practice mm -hmm. or then because I like hate myself and don't like free time, no. I decided to join pageantry. So I had pageant training and that was my life for the last four years. Do you really thrive under a schedule? I thrive under stress and pressure, not right. necessarily a schedule because I'm a little bit all over the place. If you know me, like yeah. I'm forgetful, I'm late as I yeah. was today, yeah. but promise it was because of traffic. No, it's cool. But I, I, I think I thrive not so much. Sounds bad. I am good at time management because <laughs> I get things You're done. You're suing yourself for any job you might have in the future. <laughs> if you want to like, hire guys, me, delete this. Honestly, uh, <laughs> I, I'm a lot. I'm really good. I'm really, I'm just talented, okay? I've got a fun voice. I communicate great. People love me. Stop. I'm a people person. No, I, I'm a journalist, so I thrive under deadlines. <laughs> when I know that I have five minutes left, that is when I do my best work. So I think it's not so much that I thrive at 12 a.m., I'll do this. At 1, I'll do this. At mm -hmm. 2, I'll do this. I'm more like, I want to have 20 things to do today, right. so I get them done. Right. If I have nothing or if I have one thing to do. I don't even it, remember. It can be done tomorrow. Exactly. It's not important. It can there's be no, done when I have more things to no do. There's no priority list. My issue, the reason why I like having deadlines for myself is that when you have, let's say, let's say a project lands on my desk right now and I have till like Thursday to do it. I have infinite options, yeah. right? You can, you're like, well, I can take the project this way or I could go, I could call these people or I could interview these people for it or I could shoot this stuff or I could hire this person to do it. But when you only have hours left, you can only run off your first best idea. Exactly. That's all you have. And then you're forced into, it's like a menu that's too big at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. You ever have like those, you know, Cheesecake Factory is really good for it, where it feels like it's a 30 page menu and you're like, I really. You everything. You, I, ex I want everything equally, which means I also don't want everything equally. Yeah. Or if you just say I want pasta, they have like three pages of pasta and you're like, come on guys, just like yeah. give me one dish and we'll be good. You just actually described my strategy of how I do things now. <laughs> it's like not the menu part, although I do like okay. three pages of pasta. It's more like I go to work and someone's like, you have till November to come up with this. I tell myself, uh-uh, 
I've got a week. Right. So then I finish it in a week because yeah. mentally that November is in 20 years. Completely. Me too. It's never, the deadline's never It, it actually isn't, it doesn't exist. Yeah. That project, no. It's not important because if it was important, it'd be due tomorrow. It would have a deadline. Right. <laughs> a realistic <laughs> a deadline. A real one. When did you do the crossover from uh, radio to television? That would have been, when were the Olympics in Pyeongchang? 2018? Uh, 28, Dylan's saying yes. I yes. always look for Dylan's head. 2018. The man is masterful because he, rem this, first of all, that's why I sit on this side of the table. So you can look at him. <laughs> so I can look at Dylan because he'll bail me out of everything. We were announcing, uh, well, when, when it came across the screens that Mitch Marner signed yeah. with the Leafs, I'm like, and he signed for four years. Dylan's like six. <laughs> and I'm like, he signed for six years. Love that. Can I borrow him sometimes? You can. I need him. Uh, we can share custody on Dylan. Perfect. Do you like every other weekend and then I'll take him like Tuesdays and Thursdays and you can have them Mondays and Wednesdays. Wonderful. Welcome to the family. <laughs> <laughs> so 2018 Pyong Pyeongchang. Yes, that was my first gig with TLN. Um, they actually have the rights to broadcast the Olympics in Spanish and in Italian. So it's really cool because I got the chance to like talk over highlights and talk over games mm -hmm. in Spanish about like curling and figure skating, which are not things that are typically covered in Spanish or Italian. So I started, that would have been January 2018. And then I mostly focused on their Spanish language broadcasting, mm -hmm. uh, the Latin Grammys, the Latin billboards, any kind of award show I cover for them for Canada. Yeah, from the studio or on the ground? No, no, like there. No way. Oh, yeah. It's the coolest thing ever. Being able to travel for work is such a gift, isn't it's it? It's such a blessing. Yeah. It's, it's everything I want to do. Exactly. And it, when I'm home for too long, I start getting antsy. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm supposed to be somewhere now. That's me. I'm always looking at the calendar. I'm like, when's the next award show? Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is where I need to be. So I did that for a while. I'm still doing that. Mm -hmm. But then I got the opportunity. They're like, do you know anything about soccer? I'm like. Do I? Colombian. Yeah. Yes. Hello. They're like Italian soccer. I'm like, mm, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Yes. So it, it was crazy because I had to go from zero to 100. I had two weeks to learn everything I could. And that's when I did the Drivenko interview. Mm -hmm. I had two weeks to learn about this league and everything that encompasses it. And it, it's still a work in progress because mm -hmm. I consider myself quite knowledgeable on it Yeah. for anything that's happened in the last two years. Completely. What happened in the 80s, people mentioned some players and I'm like, I'm sorry. Especially like Juve teams of years past and yeah. AC Milan teams of years past. Exactly. Yeah. And These like, are legends, the legends on those teams and I don't know who they are either. Yeah. Well, now I kind of, I'm, I'm working on it. Are you? Yeah. I'm working on it. But yeah, it's been, this is my second season now with Serie and I had the opportunity to go to Italy last year and interview with some of the teams and, and this year. So it's, it's been crazy. It's been like all of a sudden since that January, 2018, it has been nonstop. Fast tracked crazy and i was still in school last year like i graduate in graduate in exactly a month you're not even graduated yet you're i finished still my a courses. student yeah you still have a student card yeah do you know your student id off by heart not I that do. you have to say it aloud. but see isn't that always a thing when you're in school you're like you always know that student id and for like two years afterwards oh i'm gonna forget it you will forget it oh, man. it goes away no. a lot of things happen in old age oh man i'm not ready <laughs> once you forget your student id it's all downhill it, it's from there. all downhill from that Jesus. Now we know. Are you a pessimist or an optimist? I can, I just let you judge. It's weird calling yourself something. Like, I don't know. Am I, I a pessimist? Know. Well, you just said realist. everything goes downhill. I, I consider myself a realist. But see, I, I, I get a youthful audience right now. Between you and Dylan, I get to talk to people many years my junior. So I feel like the old man in the room, even though like, let's be honest, I'm not that old. 
Like I'm not uh, like I'm not terribly old. I got a little bit of gray, but like not a ton of gray. No, no, no. Just a beard. Absolutely. Just, just a little bit. Beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. It gives no one me, can it see makes this. This is podcast, right? Yeah. That's why He's I chose. 17 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, I remember I was, when I, so I was hired by Maple Leaf Source Entertainment uh, first as a writer, mm-hmm. and then I moved into reporting, and then I moved on, on, on camera, and I was on camera for about three years. And there was so much pressure behind it. But also I didn't – I having moved from writing, and I imagine you did a fair bit of writing in school, mm-hmm. you kind of – it's like being a producer in television where you're kind of picking your angle. Mm-hmm. You're picking you know, how you want to uncover the story. And I say this nicely, what bias you want to give it, right? Because you can help your audience really sympathize with one side or another, especially yeah. in sports. But then when I was on camera, I had a producer in my ear, mm-hmm. and I wasn't used to that at all. And they were like, oh, you're going to say this. Like they were kind of feeding me the stuff, probably so I didn't look like an idiot. But then I moved into producing as soon as I could after that because I appreciated being able to craft the story. That's something that you're able to do along the way Yeah, is is keep up with your producing and keep up with really the heart of what you went to school for. And that's, you know, true journalism. Exactly. And, And it's really exciting because I like being in control of things. And I get to be a part of this. Like usually when you're straight out of school, mm-hmm. you have to go through how many internships and how many things and how many like different small jobs. Exactly. Yeah. And I had the blessing and the incredible opportunity to be doing news since I was 18. And mm-hmm. once I graduated, already have a producing job. And it's a very challenging one at that because obviously, as you know, sports, they should be live. Like right. the coverage is usually live, but we don't have... I don't have that opportunity right now to be that live center desk. So now mm-hmm. you're like, okay, what are we going to create? What are we going to make? What are we going to do? How can we make this work if we film now and it airs in a week? Yeah. Or if it airs tomorrow? How, how do we make sure it's relevant still? Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's been my whole trying to find that needle in a haystack, trying yeah. to find that city story in Toronto. So if you're at home and you have some incredible city stories, hidden you know gems. Do you know uh, John Molinaro? Yes, He's, of course. Yeah, so John was just in here, uh, and he would be a great contact because yeah. he is such a, a giant Serie A fan. And, and he has such and, a huge Juve. soccer background, yeah, too. Yeah, massive. Like it's the, incredible. The guy in the working field, like a, a generation behind me, because he started reporting on soccer when I was in high school still. Yeah. Right? So he becomes of that group that I really looked up to, and I was really trying to, to learn from, especially when I broke into soccer, because I spent a bunch of years in hockey first, and it wasn't until 2013 that, that I was offered uh, a soccer gig, and much like you had described, I, I felt like I was learning every single day, because mm-hmm. I had two short months, not even, to understand not just you know the idea of Major League Soccer, but really get my... my uh, hands into the passion of it all and what truly a fan base is like there. Yeah. And, and John was one of those guys that helped me. Did you always want to do sports? Yeah, uh, yes and no. I think I always wanted to tell stories. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I like my favorite part of sports and, and what I do the most of is a lot of interviewing. And because I really like connecting with people and that's why I started the podcast was because I found Interviews for a long time, especially when you're there for like a feature or whatever, you're heading in a direction on purpose. You're like, oh, I got to get him to talk about this one thing, this one goal, this mm-hmm. one part of his life. 
and I needed the podcast to kind of scratch this itch that I want to just have open dialogue in which we're both kind of contributing to it and then we see where it goes. And so I kind of stumbled into sports. Like I was involved in sports when I was younger and then I was in automotive for a couple years. So that's when the first time I got published was in automotive, oddly enough. And then I thought I was like, oh, and now I got to grow up. Right. Like I'm, I was 20 or 21 at the time. I'm like, oh, I better grow up now and like get an office job and, and, and get all serious. I wore suits to work, which was very weird for oh. me. I know. Right. No one wants to wear a suit for work. No, no. Yeah. it's Sweat very pants. uncomfortable. Sweatpants as much as we can. Exactly. Or just like baggy jeans. Then I started getting back into sports in my early mid 20s. And, and decided that I wanted to kind of work in it a little bit. But it was always from the angle. I never found myself an analyst. I, I never competed at a high level. I never really understood, you know, the way a coach does the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. But it's the people that I find so interesting because in a single locker room, you could have, we've talked about in this conversation, someone who, who came from Italy, who grew up in one of the most soccer crazed towns, in, in Turin, played through the Juve system, played on the first game for, for Juve in the same locker room as Jonathan Osorio, whose mom came from, his both his parents came from Colombia, who then played in Central America while he was trying to, you yeah. know, go pro. And they're sitting almost, you know, four stalls apart. No, it's crazy. It's crazy the amount of stories that you find in soccer and, and in sports. I never thought I'd be in sports. That's why I was asking. It just kind of Happened. Is it news? Do you think you'd be in news? Yeah, growing up, I wanted to do documentaries. I wanted yeah. to do investigative journalism and like delve into things very deeply. Yeah. And then I thought I would do mission-oriented journalism yeah. and, and talk about issues that are in the world and how we can help them. And then I was like, I'm going to do entertainment because I love music. <laughs> and like, this is awesome. I have so many interests. How do I keep up with them all? I love just – I'm so curious. I love things, yeah. exactly. I'm so curious about everything. And then I was like, CNN, hmm. hard news. I'm going to be the next, like, CNN and poor. I'm going to be... Politics. Yes. Yeah. And then sports. Right. And now I'm in this, just the happiest place ever. Because mm-hmm. sports, you're not making anyone sad. You're right. not gossiping about anyone. It's just pure stories and human stories mm-hmm. that people can relate to. And you're making people happy. And it's been such a nice system and a nice little niche that I found. And Mm -hmm. it's got this crazy community here in Canada since soccer is growing so much. Mm -hmm. Everyone is just working together to push it forward. And it's so cool. And I never thought I would be in this. I worked with a producer who would always say, and he was able to say this because his father was a really well-known Canadian surgeon. Mm -hmm. And he'd always say, we're not dealing with life or death. And he would say that to take out the stress in something because in any job, you can get really stressed over it, sure. right? Because it's our, whether it's our pride or the hours we've put in on the line, we are, we're all serious about it. Uh, but he would always remind us this isn't life or death. And that's much to your point where you're like, in this, we're not making anyone sad, yeah. right? We're not, we're not hurting one group or we're not bringing bad news to one group. We're actually trying to be that bit of entertainment, that little bit of distraction mm-hmm. that makes their day better or takes their mind off some of the bigger things in the world. Exactly. No, you know what's crazy, actually? So I interviewed Aurelio De Laurentiis, who is the president of Napoli. Okay. And he said something interesting that goes completely against the point that you just said. Excellent. <laughs> I, I always like being proved wrong by presidents of very successful clubs. Exactly. No, I was shocked when he said it in the middle of the interview because I always saw 
soccer and sports is a way to make people happy. Yeah. And he said quite the opposite. He said soccer is like slavery. And we've got this group of people enslaved to our teams. The stadiums are the prisons and and we're keeping people captured. We distract them from the politics, but we bring them so much misery and so much joy and they are like our That's slaves. That's because he's from Napoli though. <laughs> That's fair. Like Let's be honest. It's not. They haven't had the most successful twenty years. That's fair. It is pretty torturous being no. anything but a UEFA <laughs> fan. But no, I just thought that was, I'd never thought it's about intriguing. it in that way because we actually do bring a little bit of sadness if your mm-hmm. team loses. Yep. If you know your favorite player gets traded, I mean, everyone in Toronto was devastated when Javinko left, mm-hmm. and I think we're still slowly Re- trying recover. to recover. Yeah, it's interesting when when the community starts putting their love that they had for Javinko on another player. Like because Toronto recently in the summer got Benazé and Gallardo, and and you kind of feel it that they really want them to be the person that replaces that him. replaces him, even though they're completely different players, both of them. They're, no one they haven't they haven't gone out to find players to directly replace Sebastian Javinko, but that's a really interesting human mm-hmm. instinct. You, you just want to fill that void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you're heartbroken and you're trying to find that next best thing. Right. But I don't think there's going to be another Javinko. There isn't another Javinko. He was so there. special. He was sweet. You like enjoyed watching him play, mm-hmm. which I mean, I'm sure you can enjoy watching a lot of players play. But he, there was something about him that was on another level. He was fiery. I think um, yeah. everyone. I, I like to say a lot of people in sports say, "Well, you know, Toronto fans appreciate a blue collar athlete, or Calgary fans, or Vancouver. Every town." seems to be the one that especially likes a blue-collar athlete. Mm. But Seba really connected because of his fire and his passion and, and and those times where his emotions got the better of him. And I think in a way we all related to that mm-hmm. because, yeah, 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 sometimes we're really frustrated or in a bad situation or not doing as much as we think we could personally. And we yell out and we scream and we, we, we get upset, we get frustrated. And Seba was one of those people that showed that on the outside. He kind of wore his heart on his sleeve and, and people uh, were attracted to that honesty. And one of my favorite things about watching a player, and I know Seba had this, is seeing that they're actually passionate about their team and their yeah. city. Like, you know the players that just go out to play, the players that play harder for their national team, the players that don't like necessarily have pride for their team. And Seba yeah. was one of those people that just, you knew he was Toronto. He mm-hmm. was everything that... That we needed, and now he's gone. The MVP, his first year in the league. Yeah. His second year, he brought us to the finals. His third year, he won us, helped win us the championship. I don't want to put it just on him. Uh, and then his fourth year, I guess everything went a little bit sideways, which is yeah. a shame. And we lost him, but legacy is a neat thing that athletes get to leave behind. They all hope that it's going to be a positive legacy when they're in a city. Sometimes for some guys, it's a negative legacy. But it's neat that in a city like Toronto that you know, is one of the biggest in North America, mm-hmm. that Seba gets to leave such a positive impact behind him. Uh, I believe his kids and his wife still live here. Like, they haven't even left. They still are in the condo uh, oh, wow. because of how much they love this city, and that's why he spent the summer here when he was here. That makes sense. Well, yeah. the more you know. The more you know, the little star crosses the top of the screen.
you traveled a lot, haven't you? Uh, between between your work in pageants and and your work in journalism, I have. What are some of the what, what draws you to a country? What's the first thing you're you're kind of seeking out that you want to experience in order to feel like you are there and involved and in, and in the culture? Okay, for me, it's definitely history. Yeah. and food. Yeah, food. Food is is definitely up there. I mean, an opportunity. Right. Obviously, a lot of the places I've gone to, it hasn't necessarily been like, this is at the top of my travel list, I'm going to go. It's mostly been like an opportunity arises mm-hmm. in an incredible part of the world. Wherever I go, whether it's in Canada or in Asia or in South America or, or wherever, I always try to to look at the history and the culture and, and the people that I'm involved with. Mm-hmm. And luckily, every single trip that I've gone on mm-hmm. has given me that opportunity. Because in journalism, you're going to find the stories and you're going to talk to the people. And in pageantry, you're completely involved in the culture and the people mm-hmm. and the food because they want you to be a tourism ambassador. Oh, they want you to come back to Canada and talk about that country that you visited. So, I mean, Japan, I got to go in November for mm-hmm. a month. And then they, this sounds horrible to say, but they, I guess they liked me. They invited me back. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a terrible a thing terrible to say. Of thing. all the things we can say, you know, someone liking you is about the worst. No, I just hate saying like they really liked me. Yeah, I left a good imp- impression. I was wonderful. Yeah. So, so they invited me back in February. Slow down. No. <laughs> they invited me in February mm-hmm. to go back again. And they were like, okay, you got to see this side of Japan. Yeah. Now we want to send you to this part of Japan. And we want you to see and meet these people and go to the Hokkaido Snow Festival and go to Igloo lose and it's it's this crazy thing where i'm obsessed with meeting people even if you can't mm-hmm. communicate with them mm-hmm. you just learn so many stories and uh and you also went you went to the far east once with school as well yes yeah as part of it was an exchange program or was it just just like a journalism outreach program it was the coolest thing that could yeah. have happened to me it was 2018 in may mm-hmm. so this professor that i have who's actually from hong kong decided to create this project called Hong Kong 360. So 2018 in May. So if I'm drawing the timeline out, that went, means you went to the Far East three times in the matter of like eight or nine months, right? Because four the last time, times. four times. Holy smokes. <laughs> and two, Collect those air miles, girl. And it was Swipe crazy. Swipe that card, yes. Two of them were for four days, five days. I, I was in Hong Kong, actually. I was in Japan for four days. For the snow festival in February, I was in Hong Kong for 24 hours because it was right when the protests started. Like I right. was, this was back here in June yeah. and everyone was calling me and they were like, you need to get out of Hong Kong. They're going to close down the airport. Things are going to get crazy. So I landed. We won a Google News Initiative Award for the project that we did. Congratulations. Thank you. You're yeah. Welcome. Picked up the award and then flew home <laughs> at 8 a.m. And everyone was like, you, you went to Hong Kong for a day? To pick up. UPS <laughs> is way cheaper. I am aware. Yeah. <laughs> but in my mind, I was going to go. I was going to hike. I was going to go see like these northern territories mm-hmm. that I didn't get a chance to explore. But I mean, alas, things in Ho- Hong Kong have gotten horrible since. Uh, Google Outreach Award? Is that what? what News was? Initiative. News Initiative. And that was for the trip you had done through your teacher. In 2018. The, the year prior. Exactly. So it was a group of undergrad and grad students from Ryerson. Mm-hmm. There was about 10 of us. And it counted for credit, which was cool. It was an international reporting class. And all of us worked together to make this huge feature project. We used 360 and virtual reality cameras. We did video, writing. Uh, I feel like there was something else I'm missing. Writing, video. How many more mediums can you do? Audio, music? yeah. Audio. W- w- what else can you do? <laughs> and 360. You exactly. put on a headset and you're done. 
So we basically went in, and I think we did one of the last future projects of Hong Kong before it all went downhill. Right. Because at that point, we were investigating what happens when Hong Kong goes back to mainland China. What happens after this treaty that they made with the British expires? Mm -hmm. And I think it's till 2037. I could be wrong. At that point, no one knows what's going to happen. The constitution changes. So we were exploring what's going to happen to the LGBTQ communities, mm -hmm. what's going to happen to the traditional tailors, the cooks, the politics. There's all of these villages that have been abandoned because people want to go to the city or they want to escape. So we did this huge 360, mm -hmm. not just virtual reality, but yeah, perspective wise, 360 perspective on what was going to happen to Hong Kong, published that. We've won, I think, two awards now, thinking that next year another group of students would come but and do it again. They went. And the day that I left was, I think they left two days after. At that moment was when the crazy protests started happening. So technically our, like Ryerson journalism got those last two stories out, those last two documentaries. Yeah. And now we won't go, get to go back. And it's so sad because it's probably number one on my list of favorite places. The culture, the people, the shopping, the stories that you hear there were so inspiring. And now all of those people, you, like, you don't know what's going to happen. Can you imagine living in Toronto and knowing, okay, I've got a job, I've got my family. But in 30 years, we're being handed over to a communist government and we don't know if we're even going to have land. So it's the perspective of these people and what, what's next. No one knows. Do you find you take a little bit of, peop uh, the, a little bit of each person that you really connect with with you? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What are some of the neat, unique stories maybe, and, and not to put you on the spot, but when you're, it's such an immersive project, Yeah. right? It's not, again, we, we start off and we have a lot of laughs around sports, but when you're talking to someone about their job, their family, their religion, their sexual orientation, yeah. those are, they're kind of giving up a little piece of them. Mm -hmm. And if you guys really connect, that seed kind of plants in you and it stays there. And so I, I imagine some of the conversations you have ha, have had are so deep and so remarkable. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, just in that trip alone, every single person that we talked to, because we had our own stories, but we had to assist with everyone's. So, I mean, I met this lady who had to hide the fact that she was part of the LGBTQ community mm -hmm. for so many years because you were persecuted. And she told us that entire story. I met an 85-year-old woman who cooked for us on the side of the street. And then as soon as we tried to pay, she was like, no, 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 no. You're my guests. You pay me with love. And she didn't let us. But I think my favorite person was this girl called Mandy and this girl called Lexi. And they both dressed in traditional Hanfu clothing, which is clothing from China, from the Han Dynasty, from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And a typical... Hong Kong, busy, cosmopolitan city where everyone dresses like you dress in Toronto. Mm -hmm. They dress in this traditional Chinese clothing. And they would tell me, like, my family disowned me because they think I'm an embarrassment. My mom won't walk out with me. She won't even tell people that I'm her daughter. But with all that being said, I'm happy. I dress like this because it's my identity. It's what I'm, I'm bringing honor to my ancestors. And if my family can't see that, I don't want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And it was so incredible because sometimes we don't leave the house because, oh, I'm not wearing any makeup. Oh, I I'm have not a problem all the time. Exactly. Yeah. It happens to men all the time. Yeah. Um, or I don't have the latest designer bag or the coolest right. shoes or, you know, I, I don't look like that girl. So, or I just don't feel attractive. 
Exactly. Right? I just don't feel attractive. And so you're like, I'm going to stay in today. And it was so interesting to hear how she was like, everyone stares at me. Everyone looks at me like I'm so strange, but I don't care. And this is me. And I'm making sure that this part of my history is with me forever. That conversation, that story, those pictures, like they're so powerful that now I'm like, you know what? I don't care if I'm going to leave the house and people are going to look at me weird and Mm -hmm. people don't like what I look like because I'm happy. I'm me. And no one else should have any opinion on that. Can you imagine how hard it would be to dress up as a colonial soldier, someone from the 1800s? Or like one of those, you know, the judges that wear the curly hair? Exactly. Imagine wearing those big robes, black robes all around and the curly wig hair. That's exactly what they dress like. And in comparison, like I'll show you pictures after this. I would love to. It's crazy that they have that confidence mm-hmm. and and that i guess pride in who they are how do you balance what you see when you travel with what you experience at home now it's interesting because you are guessing if you're just about to graduate young 20s yeah yeah okay you uh have are obviously quite outgoing in, in nature whether it was in sports or pageantry which i'm sure we'll get to at some point or journalism and then you experience all these different people and cultures around the world on different levels. Because I imagine when you travel to Japan uh, with, was it Miss International? Yeah. Uh, when you travel to Japan, it's a much different experience than traveling with your classmates to, to do this 360 perspective journalism piece. How do you kind of collect it all and come home and have your brain not explode with, with with everything that, that you're trying to process and keep in order and, and, and just balance with what you see and the way we live here in Toronto? That's a very big question. Wow, yeah. That's but I'm deep. really excited for your answer. Ooh, how do I balance it? This sounds cheesy, but I feel like it's like I'm a citizen of the world. Right. It sounds super cheesy, but I feel like I've been so blessed to get to experience, like you said, on different levels, mm-hmm. different languages, different cultures. And I think... I just take a little bit of every person that I meet or every country that I visit. And I, I try to apply that to my daily life. Mm-hmm. I try to learn the lessons. That's a really hard the, question. So I, I come from a family where neither of my parents ever left North America. Mm-hmm. If I'm thinking my dad went kind of Central America. I think my dad went once when he was 18 as far south as Guatemala. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I tried to bring my mom to Europe a couple of years ago. I was like, mom, come on, I'll take you. Like, we'll go to London, we'll go to Paris because I just, I feel these are places that that you have to see and realize how small the world is. Yeah. And so in a weird way, not in a weird way, in a very truthful way, my, my parents or my mom especially has lived a very North American life and only can only relate to that. Yet you have the ability to know that in this part of the world, people live one way. In that part of the world, people live this this way. And yet another part of the world where your family's from, you know, there's another set of values and culture and mm-hmm. and, and direction. And then somehow you, you have to kind of compile that all and say to yourself, yeah, but I want to go this direction. Yeah. You have like a hundred directions open to you, I at least. I know, it's so crazy. Growing up is so tough. It's so tough, it is. And, and I think when you put it that way, it, it's humbling to know so many different ways that the world is lived in because I think you won't know other people's perspectives until you've been there. Yes. Because everyone grew up in an atmosphere, in a political environment, with religions, with lessons and, mm-hmm. and history books written by their country. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you can judge how someone in Hong Kong thinks, mm-hmm. or you can't judge 
the way that someone in Kazakhstan or Kosovo or, or, yeah. or anywhere because they all have their reasons. And I think that's one of the things that traveling has given me. Not necessarily that it skews my perspective or it changes who I am, mm -hmm. but I think it gives me a, a deeper level of understanding. Because in Canada, we have access to so many different cultures, but we are very judgmental because there are different cultures and you, you stereotype the way this person acts or the way this person is voting or the way this person takes care of their house or whether they're going to this school or that school or how they're dressing. Mm -hmm. Going to those places makes you realize no, this is actually absolutely normal. And I'm the weird one right. and everyone's looking at me strange here. Right. So that's definitely one of the things that I take with me is that no matter who I meet, I am nobody to judge them. Mm -hmm. So I think traveling is something that everyone should do because it opens up your mind to such a completely different world. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it just makes you more welcoming and, and more understanding. And I think we need more of that. And traveling has never been easier. Let's oh or, my God. or cheaper. I was in Hong Kong for a day. Right. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I think I landed at like 11 and I was at the airport at 8 a.m. Wow. Yeah. Not my wisest choice. No. Dylan and I were in, we were in Mexico one time for uh, 18, no, way less than 18 hours. We were there for like 12 hours. We had to for work one time. We landed in the afternoon. I'm trying to think, maybe 16. Yeah. We landed in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, we had to shoot a match that night and then by 6 a.m. we're back in the airport the next morning and that was only Mexico like yeah. our flight was like maybe 90 minutes to get to Houston and then another three hours to get home I can't imagine having to go to Hong Kong yeah, and be like well hour flight I hope your legs are feeling rested because you're sitting down again for a very I long time no you know what's crazy I think I've probably set the world record for the highest number of very short trips mm. Should we look that, that up sense. afterwards? We should. We, yeah. I, I we'll, mean, we'll fact check it. Actually, I'm sure Madonna or like an right, artist. Right, true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Because they land somewhere and they do a thing and then they have to fly off. But for like regular Humans? Joe Schmoes, yeah. like, I've definitely set that record because I did Hong Kong for a day. Every time I go to Colombia, it's for like two days because I physically don't have time to, to visit my family. I was in Hungary for a day mm -hmm. and they're always accidental. It's always Where like, were you? Were you in Budapest? Budapest, yeah. yeah. It's always like I'm supposed to be there for a week and then it's like, <laughs> No, just kidding. Got, got to change your plans. Got to go. Are, are you good at change, uh, like changing plans on your feet on the it's fly? It's my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when things go wrong because you, you don't know what to expect. You've got to figure it out. Are you the friend that leaves like seven different plans open for a weekend and you're like, ah, I'll decide as I hit it to see what suits me best? Absolutely. Yeah. That's me. Everyone <laughs> hates it but me. <laughs> you just love it. You're living your best life the whole way along. Exactly. That's why you know the whole deadlines, mm. unexpected changes. Just roll with it. Exactly. Miss International Canada. Is that the title? Did yeah. we say Canada at all? Yeah. yeah. Miss International Canada 2018. Yes. And then first runner, runner up for Miss Universe Canada as well. Yes. How... Again, it, it I find it so intriguing to try to like weave in, like of all we've talked about here, now we're going to pile on top of that, having to prepare and train and just devote some of your brain space mm -hmm. to, to the pageant world. Yeah. When did that, you, you kind of got into it a little bit earlier, that started in 2016? Yes. So everything, my life spirals out of control um, in 2016. Mm -hmm. That's when I'm like, sorry, mom and dad, you're, no, you're never going to see me again, yeah. except 
weekends. I'm going to be busy. Maybe weekends. Maybe if yeah. you're I'm lucky. I'm going to sleep in my bedroom. Exactly. Unless yeah. I'm in like Hong Kong. Right. <laughs> right. Right. They don't text you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it started in 2016. So I'm Colombian. Historically, Colombia has been one of the strongest beauty pageant countries. You grow up and you don't idolize the president or a singer or an actress. It's Miss Colombia. I would watch with Miss Universe with my grandparents and see those girls on that stage as if they were just the coolest people ever. Mm -hmm. I was the shortest kid in my class until I was 16. So never did I think I could be that girl. How short, short? Five, four. It's not that short. My two class? best friends were yeah. volleyball players who were six foot two, uh, twins, well, yep. girls. Yeah, you're not going to feel great at five, four when your two friends are over six feet. Absolutely not. It was depressing. <laughs> And then magic happened and I was 5'9". All of a sudden I woke up one morning and I was really tall and it was great. <laughs> so My then, legs really hurt, but man, was I tall. It was so worth it. Yeah. <laughs> you got one of those surgeries where they like cut your legs and, Did, and yep. add in. Sure. Consider that many times. No, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Leg extension surgery. That's what mm -hmm. I'm going to call it. Sounds very painful. But very worth <laughs> it. <laughs> I wish I were taller. I'm only 5'9". Oh, only. I've always wanted to be 5'10". Such. A, you know what's funny about that? It's I always wanted to be five or six foot. And I came in and it was ever since I was a kid and I'm, mm -hmm. and I grew at the right rate and I'm like, oh, I'm going to crack it. I'm going to crack it. And I came in at a really healthy five, 11 and a half. No. And I'm like, you got, and I know it's a half after you're like five, no one counts anything's in half. Yeah. You're not like, oh yeah, I'm 22 and a half. No, you just say I'm 22. No, I'm five, 11 and a half and I'm half an inch shy of six feet. No, and that like that. broke my heart. No, because then I can't lie. I can't say I'm six feet. I just got to go with straight 5'11". True. I, uh, I noticed this meme the other day that was like, why is it that girls that are 5'9 are taller than guys that are 5'9"? Oh, it's because we all slouch because we're ashamed. Oh, I was going to say they all lie. No. <laughs> <laughs> like you're 5'7 and you're like, I'm 5'9". I'm like, no. That's great. See? But yeah, no, so I, I got to 5'9". Super exciting. And I didn't tell my parents I was applying. Um, I had a Or friend. that you were 5'9". You didn't tell them that either. <laughs> they didn't notice. No. Um, and then I signed up, went through the interview process, got selected, everything. And then I was like, mom, dad, going to Miss Universe Canada. Hate That was it. your first? Yeah. Jeepers, creepers. You swing for the go fences, Go big or go home. Kid. Yeah, exactly. clearly. It's like if you're going to go to football, you might as well make it to the Super Bowl mm. on your first year. It's Very true. So No one ever does except you. Except apparently. me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't make it either because yeah. I came third that yeah. year. But as I was 18. Right, but you made it in. I did. Right? You competed in Miss Universe Canada, which our mutual friend, Lauren Howe. Exactly. I learned so much through her because she competed in it twice. She, as did I. As did you. Everyone does it twice. Oh. Or three times. Or uh, we almost, have the crazy ones that do it four. Almost everyone. Almost everyone. You I did it once and I, won. Yes. It was incredible. <laughs> I went to my Super Bowl uh, and then cried in the bathroom later. Oh, no. no. That yeah. happens to it's, all of us. It's so hard. <laughs> it just breaks your spirit. So the first time, you went through it the first time. I was 18. I trained in Colombia. I Because I, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to win. I'm so competitive. You trained in Colombia? Well, because the Colombians are the ones that know about pageants. Cheapers, oh, creepers. Yeah. So it, uh, it was good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was also the most hectic my life has ever been. Three times a day in the gym. Yep. You could eat like lettuce and yep. then boiled chicken if you were lucky. Very thankful for the lettuce. Loved it, right. really. Mm. I can barely look at lettuce now <laughs> because it makes me so sad. <laughs> and then I, I came in third, third runner up, sorry, oh. which was, it was fun. Yep. 
that's when I got to go to China and compete in China. Then I got to go to Bolivia and compete in Bolivia. Wait, you got to be third runner up and still get competing places? Yes. Holy smokes. I'm in the wrong industry. I know. I got three international pageants <laughs> out of coming third, which was sick. I was like, I want to lose more This is the biggest win often. ever. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Happy Gilmore? I have. If, so it's like him when he would ask for the big check, even though he came in last. Exactly. He's like, no, no, no. I want the big check. Just, just sign and make it out. I want the big one. It's for like. $1,100. Yeah, that was me. That yeah, was me. 100%. You're just soaking it all in. Happy mm. to be there. And and that's that was actually probably the coolest mm-hmm. experience that I've had because I was so young Yeah. and I was so inexperienced. And then after that, it all went downhill. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was See, when I now you know what it's number. like. No, I think it's just when you're older and by older, I mean, I was 21 when I did yeah. it the second time. Which Man, was so 21. <laughs> Yeah. Let me tell you. It was rough. I know. Then it's like you put so much more pressure on yourself. Right. So it was because like. Because you see the window closing. I mean, I have seven years left still to do it. So oh, my do window, you? yeah. Oh, so you have tons of time. I'll be. What's at, the pressure for then? Me. Oh. Me. I wanted to win. I was yeah. like, this is my second time. Like, absolutely. This has to be it. I can't. I can't take another disappointment and wow. embarrassment. And you got to so compete in three other pageants by coming third runner up. Yes, but the people in Colombia, if you're not first, you're last. Right. Is the motto in Colombia, especially with pageants. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure any other competitor knows that unless you win. You're not second place to the first loser. That's it. And oh. I've always been the first loser. Oh, it's like a dagger to the heart. Yeah. So I came second in 2018, which I was like obviously super pumped about right because you still get to go to japan mm. and your consolation <laughs> pl- prize is going to the second biggest pageant in the world right so i mean i lost but i won it's crazy it's crazy the the things that come out of some wild decision without telling my parents three years ago now i'm so involved in this world mm-hmm. and people look at pageants as oh they're just these girls in stilettos and they butt glue their they, they use butt glue so that their bikinis don't fall off and butt glue glitter yeah oh. it's a thing butt spelled the way i think it does b-u-t-t straight up okay. butt to glue <laughs> uh butt to glue yeah uh things i never knew before glitter. there's glue involved i knew glitter so glitter is like kind of normal though yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can go get glitter at the corner salon. I'm not going to get butt glue, butt to glue. See, but butt glue <laughs> is just hairspray that you repurpose. <laughs> to make, well, to, I imagine to make sure things don't shift and move. Exactly. And, and if you're dancing around on stage and everything, right. there's also another fun little trick for the mm-hmm. people at home. If you want to go wear a bikini, hemorrhoid cream you put on your stomach and it makes you look skinnier. How? <laughs> Is it the shine? Don't know. Is it dehydrate you? Dehydrates you. Oh, it just kind of pulls it in just a little Mm -hmm. bit. The things you wouldn't know unless you grew up in Colombia. Or like look at all the tricks you know. True. The more you know. (laughs) That's gonna (laughs) be that's gonna be the the theme of the podcast. Exactly. Uh, Things you didn't want to know. Things you didn't want to provide. But you're gonna find out. What do you take away from it personally? From pageantry or butt glue? From <laughs> butt glue, I'm going to guess like all those embarrassing wardrobe malfunctions. You get to just skirt right past it. Exactly. From pageantry, what do you take out of the development process? Because there was something 100%. You you saw these women growing up and, and you, you looked to them and you respected them. But you have to be pulling something out of it too. And you have to be or you are adding to your own growth and development and personality. Oh, it's huge. It, it gave me so much more confidence. Like, yeah, I, I had confidence from before, but going on that stage, I am no longer scared of anything because I've been in a bikini 
in front of like 2000 people Very good that point. are going to judge me, giving me a number from one to 10 on how great I look. So now I get hate comments all the time and people talk about me and I'm like, I really don't care because I've been through worse mm-hmm. and people have hated me more. And, and especially Colombia, Canada. Yeah, you're going to get haters, but I mean, you don't really care about pageantry. Colombia, as soon as they find out that a Colombian is competing for Miss Canada, right? then they're like, oh, she's representing us. Right. Oh, well, she shouldn't be. Oh, she's not as pretty as this girl. Oh, she should be taller. She should be skinnier. She should be this. So from the amount of, of things that you receive, mm-hmm. now I'm just like, that's number one. The thing that I got out of this was just confidence and thick skin. The second thing is friendships. Cheesy. It sounds overused. It sounds like the world peace answer. But in Japan, I got to meet girls from like 70 different countries. So all of a sudden you have a friend in every single country you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And you learn about their culture and you get to see the way they act, the way they look, the way they prepare, the way they act under pressure. And again, we go back to that whole world world view. It gives you so much more perspective on all of these different countries, which is so cool. That's what I learned from Lauren is because as soon as she came back or or as soon as she was done the year mm-hmm. after being Miss Universe Canada, and that really, as you probably have a better, way better awareness than I do, it's a whirlwind. It's mm-hmm. like, a, like we never saw her. She was never able to just like grab coffee and hang out because there was always something to do. But she had gained so much perspective and that's where her focus turned immediately afterwards. She's like, well... Uh, I met Miss, I'm going to get it wrong, I'm going to say Ireland, and she felt really strongly about this thing they're going through right now, and this giant referendum they're having. Mm -hmm. I got really close to Miss Philippines, and they're doing this, and so I'm actually going to go over there and team up with her for a week, and so on and so forth. And Miss Cuba, I think, was another one. Uh, no, it was Miss Nicaragua. and Miss Nic- I was about to mention a story with oh. Miss Nicaragua, too, because there was so much political tension mm-hmm. that all of those girls were just ambassadors. And that was one of the things I learned as well. Puerto Rico during Hurricane Maria. Mm-hmm. So we met, since I've done like four international pageants, I had four no Miss Puerto deal. Ricos. Right. I, had four, <laughs> I had four different Miss Puerto Ricos. In your Ricos. phone. How do you tell them apart? <laughs> Can, like we Can we cut? Can we cut? I know their names, obviously, but I'm Clearly. not going to lie. When I first meet someone, you save them as like, you know, Maria from Puerto Rico yeah. and Jennifer from United States and this and that. I do that. The, the last name section yeah. is always what their job is. Same. Right? It's like Dylan, audio engineer. It's so bad, though, because then when you get really close friends with them and they see like their text messages, it's like, Kimia, Miss Canada. And she's like, we've been friends for four years. And I'm like... I have legit, but still, I, I kid you not, I have wanted to show s- someone my phone and then switched, just put a period for their last name yeah. so that they didn't see what I did. And then I handed them their phone, my, my phone because I was like, oh no, I can't get caught doing this. Exactly. It's and then I make a podcast about it. Oh, here we are. Nah, Sorry, Kimya. It's all, all, all the way <laughs> out there. So pageants, figure skating, journalism, mm-hmm. sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the next mountain you're going to climb? Everest. Everest? No. no, I did actually work at the North Face Joe for a while, and we, we had to do <laughs> that. Doesn't count. I worked at the next. I'm, I'm considering climbing a mountain because I worked at North Face. Yeah, well, they made us do rock climbing and stuff for like 
company with us, which is inside a building. Listen, was it little knobs we on a wall? We were climbing. Though. Yeah, I was, was, wasn't I? A fake mountain. I was carabining down <laughs> when I realized that this really wasn't for me. Exactly. No, what's the next thing? I don't know. What world do you want to domination. Tackle? Yeah, world domination sounds great. Pinky in the Brain mm-hmm. uh, was one of my favorite cartoons growing up, and that was the premise. Each episode was total world domination. Yeah. There are two mice. Exactly. It, was, it wasn't going to happen for That's them. That's like us in this room. Yeah, two mice. Very, gonna yeah, take over the world. <laughs> What do you have on, on tap for the year then? Uh, for the rest of the year, this is my first year where, as we mentioned, I don't have pageantry, school, mm-hmm. skating, journalism projects, everything. I, I finally have. Sounds really boring. Like, no. how, well, what do you do with all this free time? I know, but it's exciting. It's right. exciting because I can sleep. I can read books again. Mm-hmm. I, I had years that I hadn't been able to read or, mm-hmm. or watch There's TV. No time. Yeah. So I think this year is going to be a nice just focus on one thing, focus yeah. on TV, chill out with that. Eventually might do Miss Universe Canada again because, like I said, I want to win. How much prep do you put, goes into it? Like, if you want, if you know you want to do it, how far back do you start preparing and and getting your head in the game? Okay, back to deadlines. Yeah. I usually started like two, three yeah, months yeah, before. Solid. Didn't work clearly. Yeah. So I because you came second. Because I'm came. not. Trust me, I'm not shedding any tears. You did very well. <laughs> yeah, but not well enough. No. <laughs> that's the, that's the key. So. Whether I compete next year, in two years or three years, I'm starting my training. Like now, I've Mm -hmm. already started both gym, mental preparation, finding designers, everything. So that way I've had one, two or three years of preparation. Because when I go back, I don't want to be ready for Miss Canada. Do you find all the designers, do you team up with designers on your own? Really? You have to do it yourself. If if you don't do it, who's going to do it? I don't know. Like I no, you find everything. Really, you have to start from scratch. So even even if you go to Miss Universe, you have to find the designers and find different opportunities. And it's yeah, it's not do as you, easy do as you it put, seems. It never sounds easy. First of all, I've grown accustomed to being in front of people and having people disagree with me or mm-hmm. uh, whatever, write me off for one reason or another. Never with numbers. Like never with like a voting system or something. And I I believe the mental toughness that you have to develop in order to like be a functioning human being at the end of it is incredible. Let alone the fact that you have to educate yourself on all this stuff, different stuff in order to be uh, a competent speaker Mm -hmm. in whatever they want to discuss or whatever you want to discuss. It's not, it's not a matter of just like turning on a podcast microphone and making jokes for an hour. There's there's focus and determination. I guess I owe that to my grandma. I will say mm-hmm. my mental toughness definitely goes back to my grandma because, I mean, she's Colombian. So she was always like, you're such an ugly child. Or she looks back at pictures. Yeah. You're kidding me. Oh my God. She looks back at no pictures all the time. No one says my mental toughness comes from my grandmother because she called me an ugly child. Oh my God. She she looks at pictures now and she's like, oh, you're so lucky, sweetie, that you got out of that stage. We really thought there was no hope for you growing up. She's like, you're really like, you should try getting prettier because there's not much hope. And yeah. Like, you go, I go to bed every night and pray that I just become prettier by the morning. Exactly. And then you grew like five inches. It's my grandma. I'm telling you, she prayed. She turned on a candle and God was like, whoop. That's center of Miss Universe. (laughs) I owe it all to you. So TLN, during Syria coverage, yes. you host the halftime show, yes. which is a pre-tape 
feature. Yes, exactly. So we do like kind of like mini docs on on stories that cover soccer in Canada or when we get to go to Italy, we do Italian soccer. Mm -hmm. And now we're actually starting a couple more projects that will be more hands-on, like analytical and and talking about the actual matches Mm -hmm. and and the statistics. And I'm very excited because I finally got a chance to show that I know soccer. Mm -hmm. There's, There's a lot of comments where people are like, oh, she doesn't know anything about Italian soccer because she's not giving us the statistics. Right. I know. Just a pretty face. That but is my biggest pet peeve when they're like, I believe you. I'm just like, no, listen, yeah. I know this. And yeah. now I'm finally going to change. I spent my to... whole life growing up around this culture. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. In the last two years, like focusing and preparing for this league in particular. Exactly. Where else can people find you? Mm, here. Here on, on, on the Stringer on podcast. The Stringer. No, Amazing. Um, Return guest, Dylan, our first monthly co-host. You, I'll just let you <laughs> pop in and interview people for me. Yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah, you're way more charming and positive than I am. Positive, yeah. maybe. Be charming, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'll pop in by surprise. Like, I'll get Dylan to send me the schedule <laughs> and then I'll be like, surprise. There's a third microphone. Like, it's already seat. it's already there for you. Perfect. I'll be here. Hmm. Uh, where can they find me? Like, physically or? No, <laughs> don't give them your address. It might not work over, go over so well. Uh, where, where, what, what other programs? I know because I think I saw you doing a piece with Manny Aparizio. Yes. Of York Nine. Yes. FC. Yes, yes. Still TLN though. Still TLN. I'm, I'm with 100% with TLN yeah. now. They have also the Spanish channel, which is Univision Canada. So okay. whenever I do any kind of Spanish language, if you guys know that there's a Latin awards show, turn on Univision Canada because I'll be there. Yeah, and then social media. Do you do like red carpet and stuff? Yeah. How do you find that experience? Oh That's God. weird. The first three years, I hated them. And I would cry myself to sleep after the red carpet. But by year four, you're just a grizzled vet now. Exactly. No, it was so difficult. Because the thing is, I I read off a lot of the energy that people have. Yeah. And even if you do an interview with like a soccer player or something, even if they're forced to be there, mm-hmm. they still have decent energy. I, I've yet to find... They're professional. Like they, yeah. yeah, they have an idea. They try to be nice to you. I've yet to find a soccer player that I'm like, oh my God, that was the worst thing ever. Artists, singers, actors, huge celebrities on a red carpet. Mm-hmm. You're going to find a lot of mean people, especially when you're Canada. No one really cares for Canada. Right. Well, we don't have a massive audience mm-hmm. anywhere. Exactly. So, I mean, luckily Univision is a huge channel, so mm-hmm. I get opportunities. But the first couple of years, you'd be doing an interview and like people have egos and mm-hmm. they don't laugh. They don't make jokes with you. So I was like, this is horrible. Why? It's like working with Dylan. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I get the same vibes. <laughs> Do you great. ever drop the fact that you interviewed the prime minister of Canada? You're like, listen to me, like whatever <laughs> singer. I interviewed our political leader. Justin Trudeau, was that freaky? Oh my God, it was the craziest thing ever. How did you have to be cleared ahead of time, or is your? I, it was sick. It was sick. So I actually didn't find out about it until like two days before. So that's right when you want to find out about it, though. And it was three days before Miss Canada. So I found out two days before, and then the day after I interviewed the Prime Minister, I went to go compete for Miss Canada. So I get an email, and it was very odd because usually I get a list of like, this is what you're doing, this is like the shots that you have to get, prep on this person. It was just like, can you be in Montreal tomorrow? And I was like, technically no, because I'm about to go to a pageant. Right. I don't think I have the time to go to Montreal. Why? They're like, we really highly suggest you make the time to go to Montreal for an important interview. And I'm like, okay, Shakira's in town. I was like, Shakira's big. (laughs) (laughs) Shakira's sick. I don't know why you can't tell me I'm going to interview Shakira. (laughs) 
Hips don't lie. I actually went to her concert right after the prime minister <laughs> thing. So I did get to meet her. But I was like, there's no reason why you can't mention her name in an email. And then I get a call and they're like, okay, I get this sounds really sketchy, but how would you feel about interviewing Prime Minister Justin Trudeau? It was just silence. Like my heart dropped. I was right. like, the leader of our country, the person who, if I messed this up, could technically deport me. He could technically deport he, you. I was just like, this is a lot of pressure. What mm. am I going to talk to them? Talk to him about? That'd be kind of harsh though, wouldn't it? It would be like, that yeah. was bad. You were three. Go back to your country. <laughs> you were three when you moved here. But he could. He could. If he really wanted to. Yeah. If anyone can do it, it's Technically, him. I guess he could deport anyone. That just means like exiling them somewhere else. Yeah, but yeah. if you have one-on-one time with him, it's like, what if he hates me? Right. So what, then, what, Yeah, what if it's crusty? What if there's no dynamic or no chemistry between the two of you as you have to talk for a period of time, whether it be five minutes or eight minutes or whatever it was? And it was also one of the biggest interviews that TLN had had because they've never had the prime minister on right. there. So it was just this huge amount of pressure where they were like, okay, can you make it to the airport for 6 p.m. tonight because the flight tomorrow is overbooked? And I'm like buying my gown and my makeup and I'm like I guess I mean it's the prime minister I'll be there of course got on the flight got to Montreal the gown for the prime minister the gown for Miss Canada <laughs> the gown for Miss Canada <laughs> this is like why you don't leave things everywhere. to the last minute Camila listen <laughs> <laughs> I did it all didn't the I gown was sick. <laughs> the gown was worth it so yeah I got to Montreal and then this huge security clearance they start bringing in dogs they close down the block they had to come in with the RCMP and check it out make sure it was fine and I got to talk to him it wasn't even like a hard factual interview it was just more like talk to him about the immigrants about multiculturalism about all of these platforms that I already do stand for then I found out that he actually had a Colombian girlfriend and he visited Colombia you didn't bring that up though did you I did get out because yeah, you brought up to the prime minister about an ex-girlfriend Maybe. <laughs> Listen, I had to get the story straight. Serious journalism. Exactly. I'm yeah. getting the stories that the people want to hear. Right. I'm doing it for you and the citizens of this country. And he talked about like Columbia geography and all of these cities that no one has ever heard of. So that I made like our producer went and got Colombian snacks from across the street at a bakery and brought him. And he's like, oh, my God, this is Almohavana and Buñuelo. And I'm just sitting there seeing our prime minister talk about my favorite baked goods. <laughs> like mind-blowing. And then since I was in pageant prep, mm -hmm. I decided to ask him a hard-hitting pageant question. Because as you know, in the top five final stage question at a pageant, you get asked a hard-hitting question. Mm -hmm. So of course, my logic was like, I have the prime minister here, let's give him a pageant question, mm -hmm. as, as any strong journalist would do. 100%. So I was like, you call yourself a feminist. <laughs> Jesus, what did you do? I was like, you... Mr. Did you really? Yeah, I was like, you call yourself a feminist. Was it Mr. Prime Minister or was it Mr. Trudeau or was it Prime Minister Trudeau? I or Mr. Ju Mr. Justin? I panicked. So at the beginning, I was like, Mr. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Like no, that's fair. Thing. I think they yeah. And then I just never acknowledged him. I was always, mm -hmm. I would just ask the question. You learned to be better than the person you were talking about. That's it. I'm learning. That's straight. I'm better than the prime minister. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Take that back. Yeah, we're joking here. Just setting the record straight. Totally losing any job opportunities no. for the future right now. <laughs> but yeah, so then I, I asked him, I was like, you can call yourself a feminist. We all know what women can learn from men. Mm -hmm. What can men learn from women? And there was just silence. And he was like, um, mm. we had to cut out like two minutes of ums. And I was just kind of sitting there awkwardly. Then you never he wasn't expecting that question. No, but you're the you prime could, minister. True, but you could ask him about foreign policy and he was like, 
prepared to speak about that. But that's not what we want. We don't want your scripted answers. And at that moment, my, my boss had just been like, ask him something that, you know, you really want to know. When will you have the prime minister there? Did and your producer poop his pants? Oh, he loved it. He loved Did it. Did he have an IFBN? No, I didn't. No? Okay. We didn't have time for anything. It was right. one of those, I don't even think my real producer that I have here in Toronto didn't even travel with me. It was just a small little Montreal office that we yeah. have and very, like, everything was just improvised. Yeah. Well, no, I, I prepped, but I just mean the actual setup itself was like, not <laughs> I, a studio, not a studio. Yeah, right. Completely. So, oh my God, it was literally the most cringe moment in my life, but also the coolest because mm -hmm. you don't usually call out the prime minister and I wanted to, no. to hear his opinions on feminism. Unfortunately, I never actually got them. It was just like, oh, men can learn everything from women and, you know, women are so strong and men have always been in power and they've messed things up. So it would be great to see women in power, you know, like your standard politician. Answer. Right. But now that we're here, I want to ask you a pageant question. No, I was going to ask you, <laughs> what's the right answer to that question? What can men learn from women? Did you, Was that the question you want to ask me? Yeah. Is it really? Okay. Floor's yours. Go ahead. You can officially answer it and I'll give you two minutes of ums and ahs. No. No, no, no. I don't want to answer it. Oh, no, no, I, I, I ask, ask it. it. I'll I answer like, it. That's not fair. Yeah, so you have 30 seconds. This is the first time. 30 seconds? 30 seconds. Hundreds of people staring at you. You're on stage in a gown getting judged. I have worn a gown before, and I'm not even lying about that. We can talk about that off pod. That is amazing. 100%. All right, now close your eyes. Do I have to actually close them? You have to actually them? close your eyes. Okay. Imagine you're in a gown. You can't breathe. You haven't eaten since yesterday. Hundreds of people are staring at you. Your life dream ends right here if you mess this up. My eyes are actually closed. Yeah, no, he's actually really getting into this. Your entire country is depending on you. You have 30 seconds. Clay, we know that men can learn a lot from women. What can they learn? Can I open my eyes now? Yeah. I think men can learn tolerance, and then I think they can learn adaptability. That's what I think. If you look at any culture, you yourself coming from a family who migrated from Colombia, they had to, first of all, realize what it's like to live in a world that is dominated by a person that does something differently. And I think especially in North America, especially me being a Caucasian male in, in North America, something we can learn from women is adaptability. A hundred percent. Does that... Give you the crown. Miss Universe 2020. I could be Miss Universe. You could be Miss Universe. Why not? It's 2020. It's, 20, it's 2019. Exactly. It's 2019. <laughs> I appreciate, though... Because as you had me close my eyes and you were, thank you very much. You gave me a really long lead in so I could actually think about the question. So I appreciate it. Thank you. You know, that's a strategy some of the girls use internationally. Because let's say I speak fluent English, but I'm representing Colombia. I can ask for a Spanish translator. Get out. So I hear the question in English. And while it's being translated, I'm thinking. You want to know what I actually can now learn from women? That. Oh, imagine I came out with 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 Bucklew. You know, you asked me what can men learn from women? Yeah. And I start this really thoughtful part. And then I get to the end and I'm like, but actually the thing I'm going to learn from women is Bucklew. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's exactly it. Camila, I'd love, I take you to, kept you way longer than an hour. Uh, I'd love realize. for you to come back yeah. if you'd like to do this another time. Sure. I had a lot of fun and I think I really felt... 
we really hit our groove 15 minutes in because honest to goodness, we are meeting each other for the very first time. Yeah. And so you're kind of like looking across this table, trying to figure out how this works, how's the dynamic going to be mm-hmm. and which jokes do or do not land. I know for next time, don't be pessimistic. <laughs> exactly. I like to think of things and, and bring positivity, Clay. No more negativity on this podcast. None of it. (laughs) Dylan's going to hold me to that. Perfect. In that vein, you're going to like the way we end every podcast because I believe that uh, every big change that we want to make in our life starts with the simplest decision. We We can whittle it right down. And why that's important to me is because at times we might want to set a destination somewhere. We might want to tell ourselves that we want to compete in Miss Universe Canada or travel the world, uncovering news stories as a journalist Mm -hmm. or covering our favorite sport, but we feel it's so far off. But the truth is, is every big decision starts with the smallest decision. And the easiest thing we can do to better ourselves is to just simply eat our vegetables. So as we wrap up from myself, from Camila, from Dylan, from everyone else who helps put this podcast together. Please, please, please be good to yourself. And eat your vegetables? That's more of a statement than a question, but eat your vegetables. (laughs) 